0: Hey there, and welcome to the High School Hamster Wheel podcast. Today's episode is one of my favorite topics as it's related to helping young people plan for the world of work. My guest today is Mark Hirschberg, author of The Career Toolkit: Essential Skills for Success That No One Taught You. Mark has spent his career launching and developing new ventures at startups and Fortune 500s, as well as in academia. During our conversation, Mark shares lots of helpful tips for young people embarking on a new career, but his advice is valuable for job seekers of any age. We talk a lot about mentors, why they're important, and how to find the right one. Be sure to listen to the end where Mark talks about the free Career Toolkit app that he created. There is lots of actionable advice and tips in this episode, so let's get started. Hi, Mark. Thank you so much for being here today on the High School Hamster Wheel podcast.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm excited to share some tips with your audience.
0: Oh, I'm excited for you to share some tips with me and my audience. (laughs) So before we get into all the good stuff, can you just take a minute and introduce yourself to my audience?
1: Yeah, I have a very interesting dual career background. I came out of MIT in the 1990s with a couple tech degrees, and I began my career as a software engineer. Now, I realized early on that I wanted to become a CTO, a chief technology officer, the person who oversees all the engineers. And I began to look into what is this job? What do I need to do to be successful at and even to get it? The skills that I needed to be a CTO, yes, I needed to be a good engineer, but I also needed skills like leadership, communication, team building, networking, negotiating. No one ever taught me those skills. We don't teach those in high school or college. So I had to develop those skills in myself. And as I trained up on the skills, and we didn't have great podcasts like this for me to learn from, as I trained up, I realized these aren't just for executives. These are for everyone in the company, down to the most junior people, down to the interns. I wanted to expand these skills to everyone on my team. So I began creating some training programs. As I was doing this, MIT had gotten feedback from companies we work with, the ones who come and hire our students, and they said, we want to see these same skills in everyone, not just in the kids we hire out of your school, just everyone we hire anywhere in their career across all different disciplines. We love these skills, and we can't find them. So MIT created what's known as the Career Success Accelerator, and when I heard they were doing this, I reached out. I said, you know, I've been developing these within my company. Can I help? He said, yes, please, what have, what have you got? So I helped them develop that class. I said, you know, we have these great world-class experts. We have our professors at Sloan who are experts in leadership, and all these topics, but you bring a different perspective as a practitioner. We need to get you and people like you to help co-teach the class with our faculty. So for the past 20 years, in addition to being a CTO and building these tech companies, I've also had this parallel career teaching at MIT and elsewhere, teaching these professional skills. And now, of course, the book and app and the speaking I do related to that. So I've had this dual career for the past 20 years.
0: And what a cool career it is. So can we just step back a little bit? Because first of all, MIT speaks for itself, right? And the work you do is super cool. So Tell me about your, your teenage years. Like when you were in high school, were you MIT bound? Like, did you know that's what you wanted to do?
1: Since even before my teenage years, I wanted to go to Harvard when I was five. Then I heard Einstein was at Princeton, although he only lived in Princeton. He was at the Institute for Vamp study. but I said nine, okay, Princeton, because I want to be a physicist. Then I heard about the hacks at MIT at 12 and said, okay, that's where I'm going. And I was a classic 80s nerd. So yes, I was destined for MIT from a very young age.
0: Well, and that's that's a, a lofty goal, right? I mean, it, I know it is today for sure. And it was then too. But you sound like you were pretty confident that you were going to make it happen.
1: I wasn't certain. I had the nervousness that every high school student has of... Where am I going to get into school and which ones and all the other issues? I still had some of that fear, but certainly my grades were in the ballpark where I knew it was a possibility. And that was just working hard and a little bit of crossing my fingers when the application got sent in. And thankfully, it all worked out for me.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So I love that you took your path through education and into the real world and you're having such an important impact on young people. As companies are telling you and MIT, and as I hear all the time in this podcast, it's these real-world skills, survival skills, somebody called them. You know, it's the things they don't teach you in the classroom. So let's talk about that. Let's step it back. So you, you wrote the book, right, um, The Career Toolkit, Essential Skills for Success No One Taught You. So what made you write the book? I mean, you're telling me that there was clearly a need for this, but what makes you say, I'm going to sit down one day and just put this into a book?
1: We've known how valuable these skills are, not only because of the feedback we got at MIT, but similar research at other universities and of just employees in general. These are the skills companies want. For years, I encouraged MIT to take our program and expand it to other schools we led online courseware, putting content online. I said, let's just share this with others. We know the value. For various reasons, MIT didn't have the resources and time to do that. We were focused on other things. At the same time, our class is very hands-on. It's not lecture-based. So the students aren't exactly taking a lot of notes. And I know they do the class, they get the idea, but then they go off to their next semester and I'm sure it all fades away. I remember it was like being a student. So I wanted to just put down some notes, something we could give to students, something I could maybe share with some other universities. I really thought I was writing up 20 pages of notes, but 20 pages became 40, became 80. And pretty soon I said, you know, I think this is a book. And so it turned into a book. And then of course the app as well.
0: So what can parents expect when they, I mean, I read the book, but when they read the book and p- potentially download the app or encourage their young people to download the app. Can you kind of give them a, a little bit of an overview of what they can expect from it and what they'll get out of it?
1: There are 10 chapters, one on each of the key skills. Let me run through what those are and then talk about how the chapters work. It's three sections. First section careers, how to create and execute a career plan, which begins with questions about what might I wanna do? How do I think about that? And those questions, especially for younger readers, for those in high school or college, can help them formulate where they might want to go. So, career planning, then working effectively, skills like managing your manager, understanding corporate culture, very useful skills in the workplace. Third is interviewing. Now, I look even more from the interviewer's side as from the interviewee, partially because there's enough stuff from interviewees. How do I answer this hard question? We rarely look at from the other side, and that's important both because many of us in our careers hire other people, but no one trained us how, and because if you understand how the interviewer thinks, you are a more effective interviewee. Mm, The second section, leadership and management, the fundamentals of leadership, and then the people and process sides of management. The key thing about these chapters, they are not just for people with certain titles, we think, oh, well, a leader son with a VP title, a C level title, or manager as a director. Nope, these skills apply to everyone. Because if you've ever had a coworker, I had to say, hey, I need your help with this. I can't command you. I can't order you. You're my peer. But want I convince you to do something, guess what? Those are leadership and management skills. So that's the second section. And the third section, these are the fundamentals of how we engage with other people, communication negotiation, networking, and ethics. So those are the 10 skills. Each chapter has what I call a mental shift. It's going to change how you approach the skill because most of us have almost bad habits or impressions that we've gotten. So it's going to teach you how to think about it differently, then provide a number of actionable steps. Here are concrete things you can do to better execute on this skill and develop it, and then the end, there's always at the end of each chapter summary and next steps. So I review what we covered, and then where next steps if you want to continue to develop this skill. Here's things you can do. Here's next places you can go.
0: I love that approach because I, I like this book because it works for just about everybody, no matter what stage you are in your career and in your life. And you can use it now and you can use it later. There's a lot of really good, applicable or actionable steps. Um, But there is some content in the book that I think as a parent of teens is super helpful to teens. So a couple of the chapters, um, mentors, right? So um, you talk about mentors, why they're important um, and how to find or choose one. Can you talk a little bit about that here?
1: People think, okay, a mentor, that's just someone who's me plus 20 years, and that's what I'm going to look for. And sure, that's not a bad start, but we have to recognize a mentor might have, they might look different than you. You're particularly trying to get something from a mentor. So consider, let's say I use sports analogies a lot because really the way we think about learning sports is how we think about learning these skills. They're not memorization. It's not like learning history or math where you just memorize it, you have to practice and do it. Your coach is not necessarily you plus 20 years. In fact, your coach might even be, if it's in baseball, you might have a batting coach specific to batting, which is different than a outfield coach. And they have different skills and you go to each coach for a different particular skill. So when you think about your mentors, you could get a general purpose mentor who's you plus 20 years. But you might say, I'm picking this person. She is not in my field. She's not in the type of job I want. But boy, she is great at networking or great at leading. And even though it's a completely different discipline, I can learn that skill from her, which is different than someone else who might not even be that great a leader. But that person, he knows your industry inside and out. He knows the trends. He knows the patterns. He can really teach you a lot about how the industry works. So we can go to different people throughout our careers to get different particular skills. And we don't have to look at a mentor as holistically, you're either everything or not.
0: I love that sports analogy. That's a really good way to look at it because you're right. Like you can read it in a book, you can learn it, but you have to keep practicing it. It's like a muscle, right? You have to keep practicing and, and using that muscle to, to get good at it. So that's a great analogy.
1: And if you think about as adults, even if our company does say, oh, hey, since you're getting promoted, we're going to send you a leadership training. What do we do? We say, we're going to send you to this two-day seminar. Go off. You come back. Okay, great. You're a leader now, right? Done. We don't have to talk about this again. But would I ever say, oh, I'm going to send you to this basketball clinic. Come back. Done. No more practice for you. You did the clinic. Of course not. You have to keep training regularly. You also want to drill, and practice, and play scrimmage games, maybe watch the tape of yourself or someone else. Now, there's a way we can replicate this. In fact, on the website, on the resources page, I know we'll give that at the end, there's a free download for how to create peer learning groups. This is written primarily for corporate America, for offices, and so you can use it at your company. But if you want to do it with students, you can apply it to students as well. The key thing is you create groups of people who are roughly at the same level. So if you do this, get your children, get some of their friends and with their parents and get the kids together. Say, here's what we're going to do. We are going to take some content. And yes, you can use my book and you can chop it up and I show how to do that. But if you don't want to use my book, use a different book, use an article, use a great podcast like this one. They listen to the episode or they read a few pages and then come together to discuss it. Because it's in that discussion of, okay, we talked about leadership and what that meant. What does it mean to you? Oh, you had a completely different perspective I wouldn't have thought of. And of course, those of us, when we speak about or write about, we can only give you one narrow base concept. And it's in that discussion. That's where you start to learn and understand and when I hear about a leadership challenge you faced and how you approached it and what worked and what didn't. That's as close as I can get to scrimmage, because there is no leadership scrimmage. I can't go to my office <laughs> and say, everyone for the next two hours, I'm going to practice leadership. I may screw it up, and that's okay, and I'll just call do-over. It doesn't work that way. So it's in these discussion groups, that's where we get the scrimmage. That's where we can watch the tape. I can hear what you did and what worked and what didn't. That's where we can reflect. And so that is how we take this concept of sports training to these other skills
0: boy wouldn't that be great in more corporate America settings having worked in corporate 20 years on and off myself eh, we could have used more scrimmages I'm just saying but um and I, I like applying that with teens too especially I I've had this conversation on the podcast as well like when kids are filling out applications or even college college applications or job applications you know they're like well I don't have leadership skills well yes you do you know did you were you on a sports team? Were you in student government? Did you have a job where other, pe- you know, you were training other people? Anyway, there's lots of opportunities for that. And um, I love practicing with their peers um, to strengthen and to get different perspectives. That's a, a really good tip.
1: And that's why in the book, I do try to give very universal examples that even if you haven't been that job or industry, you understand And yes, high school students can say, oh, I get, you're managing other people. I've seen that in movies. But still, they don't have quite the same experience that we have, even in our 20s when we've been in an office. So having that peer learning group is where during that discussion, peers can bring in more relevant examples. I get leading on high school sports teams conceptually, but it's been so far So distant when we did, we didn't have social media and other things. So they can bring in whatever group you do this with. We're talking about students here, but in your company, in your church group, wherever, people can bring in relevant examples to that community, which is really going to hit home the lessons.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So back to mentorship for a minute. Um, What do you recommend? I mean, a lot of teenagers have trouble finding a mentor. And I know it can be... And that's not necessarily a parent, but it could be a friend of a parent, an uncle or an aunt, you know, somebody close to your family. But what are other ways for them to find mentors, especially like in college or as they're getting ready to go to college? What's the best way to reach out to somebody and, and frankly, get them to say yes?
1: When we are in school, particularly high school, most of our interactions are with other people generally around our age. And usually for mentors. Especially when we're that young, we want someone older. Later in your career, it's fine to be 50 and mentored by someone who's in her 30s because she is better at this skill. That's fine. But sure, at 18, you probably don't want a 19 year old mentoring you. It could happen. Where can you find these people? You might see teachers, or if you've worked at a summer job or an after school job, you might find people in that office. You might find it through different groups. Maybe it is a religious group you're part of. Maybe it is some club or hobby you're part of, and you're going to meet some older, more experienced people that way. Once you get to college, of course, you have professors, you have staff. Most people overlook staff, and staff can be very knowledgeable and experienced and wise. Parents can also help out their students and say, "You know, my, my daughter, she wants to go into this profession." Let me see if in my network, which is much more extensive, I know people in that field, maybe a friend of yours from high school or college, and you can reach out and connect in a way that your student can't. In the most general case, following someone on social media. Now, you can't just reach out to a stranger and certainly not a big name and say, hi, can you mentor me? But if you start following this person, maybe engaging, commenting on their posts and starting interaction that way you might be able to reach out then and say, can I speak to you for 30 minutes? I've read your books. I love what you do. Do you have time to speak? Mm-hmm. Don't assume they do, especially when you get to some really big name authors or celebrities, they are busy, but that's one approach. And certainly when you get away from the celebrities and more to a professor, maybe some executive at a company, they're less celebrity status and maybe more accessible.
0: Yeah, I, I can attest to that on the podcast. Some people won't don't have the time to talk to me, but I'm not giving up. Um, okay, so let's talk about networking and talking to strangers. I mean, that's so that's hard for a lot of people no matter what your age, right? Just reaching out to somebody, talking to someone that you don't already know, making that first um, that first attempt. So any advice for young people about how to build their network, reach out to people and gain that confidence?
1: One of the techniques that I talk about in the book is when you speak to someone else, especially when you are younger and talking to someone older, he said, oh, I don't know. What do we talk about? The weather, the sports team. I don't know. I hate small talk. Everyone hates small talk. Talk about something meaningful to the person. And a great topic is to ask the person about his or her career. Ask them about their job. Tell me about what you do okay, I get you're a doctor. I know what a doctor is or a lawyer, but what do you really do? What's it like day to day? How much time are you, for example, in surgery versus doing paperwork versus doing follow-ups or a lawyer? Every lawyer I see on TV, they're always in court. If you actually talk to a real lawyer, most of them are never in court. So what do you actually do? What do you recommend for someone interested in this field? What do you wish you knew when you were entering the field? What advice would you give me? Where do you think the field will be in 10, 20 years? Ask lots of questions. Now, in doing so, two things happen. First, you are flattering the person. You are saying, I value your opinion, particularly about something that you're clearly interested in. Second, especially for young folks, when you're thinking, what do I want to do? This is a great way to learn. Yes, I know what a lawyer does. But actually what we hear in in law in particular, people know what a lawyer does because we've seen it on TV. So I'm going to law school and be just like those people on TV and then surprise, that's not how it works. So when you talk to people about how it actually works, you might hear, oh my God, that is not what I want to be doing. Or wow, that job that sounded boring, but I guess I stuck talking to you, sounded a lot more interesting once I understood it. So talk to different people and ask them about themselves and their career and their thoughts and advice. Most people love to give it.
0: Yeah. I encourage that all the time too, that exploration of the day-to-day and what I call our digging digging for the deal breakers. Because to your point, a lot of people think, lawyer, that's going to be cool and exciting. I'm going to be in court, but it's a lot of paperwork and it's a lot of in the office stuff. So great, great point there. And we'll be right back after a quick break. So let's talk about the app, because let's be honest, for teenagers, the apps are where they live, right? It's where they spend their time. So I could ask you why you created an app, but that's kind of obvious. Um, tell me about it. Like, how did it come about? How is it different or how does it interact with the book? Um, what should people expect and, uh, and what's, what are the benefits of it?
1: It's not even just for teens. In fact, my motivation was slightly different than that. I know whenever I read a book like this, especially one with so much information, so many tips, you go, wow, this is great. You can't remember it all. In fact, you forget 95% of it after three weeks. So I want people to retain the information. I'm not here to sell books. I am here to help people learn and develop new skills. And the app does that. There's two ways to use the app. When you download it, you just need to open it once a month just so we know you're active, because I know you're not going to want to open something every day necessarily. What you do is you set a time when you want to have one of the tips. And it's as if you went through the book with a highlighter. said, here's an important point. Here's a good quote. Here's something I want to remember. That's all in the app for you. And at the time you select it, it's just going to pop that up as a notification. So maybe right as you're starting the day at 9 a.m., there's a tip. There's a reminder about management, interviewing, networking one of the tips come up. You can have it set to all of them. Or if you're trying to work on a specific skill, just set it to those tips. And therefore, that's going to help reinforce them in your mind, help you keep it top of mind. Because just like we learned with the example of sports, you don't say, I did it once, done. You need it to stay top of mind. You need to keep practicing it. The other way you can use the app is, let's suppose you're about to go into a networking event. You certainly didn't, cram and reread the book last night. You're not carrying it under your arm, but you are carrying it in your pocket. So right before you go into that room, you open up the app, you go to the networking tips, and you quickly flip through those tips just to get that refresher right before you walk in the room so it's all top of mind. So that's how I built the app. That's why I built it so it is there to help you better retain and utilize the information.
0: I love that. That's brilliant. completely free. Yeah. Well, so- Help me understand that. So there's no cost for the app.
1: No cost at all. Because I think most people, if you just look at the tips, you'll pick them up. I think you do get more out of it when you read it in context through the chapter. And so when you've read the chapter and then you get the tips, they're just going to help refresh you. It's like flashcards after you read the book. But look, if you just want to download the app and not read the book, I'm fine with that too. I am here to help you learn. And if that's what works for you, I'm honestly okay with that.
0: That's fantastic. So much value. So what else? What other topics or chapters have we not touched on that you think for parents and or teens would be super helpful?
1: I think the key thing that we talked about before is getting those peer learning groups because you can talk to your son or daughter about, here's the idea. But they're going to pick up a lot more from the peers, from having those discussions. So especially if you can get a couple other parents and say, hey, let's all encourage our kids to do this. Let's get them either all the same book, mine or a different one, or have them all listen to these podcast episodes or read these articles and then just have them talk to each other. I think they're going to get more of it than if you try to talk to them about it just because they'll be able to relate better to each other.
0: Okay, that's great advice. Great advice. Okay, so where is the best way for people to find you and follow you cuz I'm sure they're going to want to.
1: You can go to my website, the careertoolkitbook.com. You can see where to buy the book, all the usual places, get in touch with me, follow me on social media, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can follow my blog. You can download the free app. It's linked from the website and will take you to the Apple or Android store where you can get completely free. There's also the resources page. It starts with a couple free downloads, including this peer learning group we talked about earlier. There's also links to other great books I recommend. There's links to free resources online to go further on some of these topics. So lots of great resources. I'm always adding to it. All of these are available at thecareertoolkitbook.com.
0: So, so great. Okay. I'm going to ask you one more question. And I used to ask this question of all my guests, but I sort of, I don't know, stopped doing it for a while and I'm back at it. So if you could go back to your high school self and give yourself one piece of advice, what would you say?
1: As I mentioned, I was a classic eighties nerd, very STEM focused. I would go back and say, listen, these other skills, they are important. I know right now you're just focused on math and science, and that's great, develop those skills, but having these other skills really matter.
0: Great answer. Well, this has been informative and fun and just really, really great advice and actionable tips for parents. So thank you so, so much for being here today. I really appreciate it.
1: Thanks for having me on the show.
0: I really enjoyed my conversation with Mark today. The essential skills that he wrote about in his book and that we discussed during our conversation are so important for our teens and young adults to develop, no matter what career path they choose. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I'm so grateful you took the time to listen. Please share this podcast with someone who will find it helpful. Be sure and check out the show notes at highschoolhamsterwheel.com slash 113 where I will include all links mentioned during this episode. And if you know of a teenager who's unsure of their next step after high school, a college student rethinking their future career path, or a young person who just needs some guidance, I can help. You can learn more about me and the coaching I offer at BetsyJewelCoaching.com. That's it for today. I'll be back soon with another episode of the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast.